Welcome to Weather Hype, a podcast for casual weather conversation. I'm Castle Williams. And I'm Min Fawn. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about weather events and topics that happened in April. Kind of a quick fire. So yeah, we'll be talking about the National Weather Service and how they're discontinuing their use of all caps. Thank God. We'll also be talking about how the National Weather Service will be exploring the world of Periscope during severe weather events. Next, we'll be digging into the Houston floods and the messaging that went along with that, as well as airlines and alerting passengers of potential severe weather and how we can maybe improve on that. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? I am doing excellent. How are you? I'm pretty good. I mean, you finished up your thesis, right? You defended successfully. You have submitted your uh, paper, right? I have not submitted it yet because the UGA website and internet is getting DDoSed at the moment. So all the websites are down or they take forever to load. And so I would rather be on the safe side and submit my thesis tomorrow, maybe when we're not getting attacked. So wait, can you explain to me what DDoS means? I don't yeah, get that. Yeah, so I don't know what it stands for, but basically it's when a computer sends a lot of information to another computer and it like overloads it. And so it's trying, it's it's almost like a million people are trying to visit the site at once and it kind of blows it up. Oh, yes. And gotcha. so it's almost kind of an act of cyber war. You can actually go, there's a link um, there's like a, a map you can go to and see all the current DDoS attacks that are currently happening right now. It's pretty interesting. Wait, so you're telling me that UGA is being attacked right now? Yeah, they are. It happened last uh, Thursday as well. Holy crap. Yeah. I thought you meant that UGA was like doing some scheduled maintenance. I didn't realize no. that they're actually getting cyber attacked with somebody. Yeah, they are. <laughs> No big deal. I feel like there should be some explosions going on or like some kind of like physical warfare going on, but everyone's just all calm and quiet and everything's good. So like, does your email work? Yeah, the email works. But if you if you go to all the websites, like none of them, they all load, but they're only like HTML. So you only see the font. You don't see any pictures or anything. And so it's really sketch. And so I'm afraid to upload my thesis. <laughs> I'm not sure how to segue into that, but the good thing is that, well, we have too many hypes of the week. So the National Weather Service, I heard, is not going to be using caps lock anymore, right? I heard that as well. So they're not going to be screaming, as some people have said. Wait, so when they when they say they're not going to use caps lock anymore, what kind of products are we talking about? Or where do people even see this information? Right. And so I think um, it's in most of the warning and watch and advisory text products. So if you, but I feel like it's like we said, it's kind of a more of a, an expert thing or a meteorologist thing. I don't know how many people look at those. So then I guess the uh, information is really coming from, if you ever go look for the weather on weather.gov mm-hmm. and you ever click on the um, information for it, then that's when you see the text, right? Or if you go to maybe the weather right. channel, uh, weather.com, and right. there's like a tornado watch or a tornado warning, like that banner at the top of the page, mm-hmm. you can sometimes click on that to get uh, additional information about uh, what kind of event or what kind of severe weather 
situations unfolding in your area. And that is sometimes when you see those caps lock stuff saying like, there's a tornado watch in effect for your area and the following counties uh, until like 9 p.m. That's the kind of sample text that you would get from the National Weather Service or the um, Storm Prediction Center or whatever. And that is when you see the caps lock. So now when you see that, you won't be seeing them yelling at you anymore unless they said they will be using caps lock for life-threatening situations, Mm -hmm. right? So no more yelling, which, you know, I think they now started to realize that they used, they started using all capital letters since 1849. (laughs) They used it in a telegraph. Holy crap. 1849. That was a few years before I was born. Just a few. few. (laughs) But I think the, another interesting aspect to think about is it wasn't until recently that this was all caps lock was considered screaming at people. So that's another thing to think about. So who made it, who made caps lock a symbolic of yelling at people definitely the uh, the social media kind of thing right i guess like when you text somebody like unless you're i've never been mad at somebody over text really and and, like typed in caps lock but if i'm really excited for somebody i'm like right congratulations woohoo like in all caps but i never yell at anybody sometimes when you're reading texts um you attribute certain things like either the way they talk the you know, you try to attribute the tone to what you're reading, but you have to be very careful. Like my advisor told me, you can't really interpret the tone of someone in an email that they write to you because sometimes people write an email and it's very, um, you know, simple. It's very uh, short. I hate people who send me short emails because I think they're mad at me, but I know they're not actually mad at me. They just don't have time to write a long email. Right. So my advisor always told me, like, you have to be very careful when you're writing, reading an email because you don't want to interpret some kind of emotion that is not there that may offend you or may not offend you. So maybe it's the same thing with National Weather Service caps lock thing, too. People were interpreting it in one way and they didn't mean to. No, and I think so. And that's it's just it's just one more thing that shows a sign of progress with the National Weather Service. So I'm happy that they are listening and making changes. Four candy canes for you, National Weather Service. We are proud of we you. We are. You deserve it. (laughs) Speaking of the National Weather Service exploring different things and being open to different ideas, they also announced that they will be exploring the Periscope app. Um, So, Min, can you explain what Periscope is? Because I'm not super in on it. (laughs) If it's sad that I I feel like both you and I are pretty uh, social media savvy, but I think we both have never used Periscope. No. Only because I don't think people really need to know about what I'm doing at every moment in my life. But from what I know about Periscope, it's an app that you can put on your iPhone, right? Or is it on Android as well or just iPhone? It's both. Okay. So on your smartphone device, you can pretty much stream whatever you want live and people can uh, log in and watch you as you stream live. It's very popular in the broadcasting world because a lot of broadcast meteorologists, in addition to um, just journalists as well, they use Periscope and Facebook Live to reach reach out to their audience and let them show them like behind the scenes stuff of what they're doing or have a conversation with people who are uh, maybe watching on TV and want to get like a little bit more of an undercover uh, background kind of uh, situation scenario. But the National Weather Service wants to use Periscope to pretty much live stream information to people, the general public, during severe weather events. So I could imagine during tomorrow's event, if there's a participating, not every uh, forecast office is doing this, by the way. It's just a handful of them, um, including ones like Sacramento, Reno, Nevada, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. A few um, of these weather forecast offices are going to experiment and try it out. 
And so I can imagine tomorrow, if any of these uh, offices are located in the severe weather outbreak area, then they would stream the information and then people could log on and uh, listen to what they have to say about the severe weather, maybe about what the ingredients are that are coming together for the severe weather outbreak, or perhaps like a new tornado warning coming up. And that can be like a constant dialogue between the general public and the meteorologists and forecasters who are um, actively di- dissecting the severe weather event. Right. So it's almost kind of like Snapchat a little bit, right? Because it disappears after 24 hours or something like that. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know I that think it, it disappeared after 24 hours. Yeah. To my knowledge, I think it does. Okay. It's That's... good, I guess, in a way, because then if someone goes on Periscope the next day, then maybe they won't confuse the current weather situation with one that's in the past. True, because you get that a lot on Facebook right. with the whole, okay, you post something one day and then the next day it shows up again. So if you're, I post all the time severe weather events, I'd be like, okay, there's a tornado warning for um, back in Savannah where I, I used to live with my family. And then the next day it'll show up. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really frustrating. I just have to go back and delete my post because I don't want a tornado warning post to show up the next day when there's like sunny skies, you know, and that might start confusing people. Um, another question, though, I had, Castle, about the whole periscope used for the National Weather Service is this is, again, something that the uh, broadcasters use a lot in the um, private sector and in um, TV. Is it the National Weather Service, uh, their job? Is it their job to kind of jump in and do this kind of stuff too? Are they infringing on the territory of broadcast meteorologists and TV stations? Well, I think that's probably a real concern for a lot of broadcasters, especially since I know there's not a National Weather Service app for phones. Um, They've considered doing broadcasting at some point and they got a lot of negative feedback for that. So I think it's getting close to being on the toes of the broadcasters, but I think they should be allowed to experiment and do different things. So then, yeah, I agree too. I think anything that can help with public safety is a good thing. And then you start getting into the awkwardness and the territorial um, aspects of any any business or any enterprise. And, and the weather enterprise is no different with people feeling that the National Weather Service and the government it's kind of pushing in on an area that is already kind of covered by the broadcasters and the private sector and the um, the broadcasting industry. But again, like I think it's a good thing that they're trying it out for sure. And this prototyping period is going to last until the end of July. And then after that, they'll start figuring out a periscope is something worth pursuing in the future. But um, I mean, I think it's a great idea. Hopefully it goes pretty well and they might start implementing it too. Um, and also, hopefully, they have meteorologists and forecasters who know how to use it effectively. Right. And, you know, because it's one thing to try it out and see how it works, but you have to also be able to give the information out. Like, who's going to tune into it, you think? Is it going to be the weather weenies and the weather junkies who are really into weather? Or is it going to be like your everyday average uh, Jane Doe, John Doe, who's just like curious about their uh, their area of the country where there might be severe weather? I don't know. And that's also something. Are people going to be looking for this information before it happens? Or are they going to be going to Periscope to double check to reaffirm that a tornado warning has been issued? But I guess it could also be something that is good because I'm reading here that people can comment in real time and you can respond back to them. So I think that's more of a one-on-one kind of conversation. You get to talk to someone and really answer their questions about whether they're in danger or what they should do right at that moment versus being a broadcaster, being on television and having to deliver a generic message that is applied to everyone. So I feel like there are pluses and minuses to it. 
it kind of reminds me a little bit. I'm going to give a little bit of a shout out here to um, Kim Martucci. She used to be a meteorologist in Washington, D.C. And back in, I think, 2009, 2010, she had something called Weather Kim TV, where she would stream her uh, weathercast every morning, um, both behind the scenes and what she was doing on the green screen. And she would also interact with people. So pretty much the way it worked was she had a livestream.com account where she could stream her video and there was a chat room where you can chat and type and she could see all your information and the questions you had or the comments that you had and she could respond back to you. And that was a great idea back in you know the late 2000s and I find it kind of funny that people are kind of doing the same thing now and it seems really new and innovative. But I guess the only reason why it's really innovative is because it's on your smartphone right. as opposed to when before it was on your laptop. Um, Kim Martucci, if you're listening, I know you liked our Facebook page, so hopefully you'll see this and hear this, but, uh, appreciate all your awesome, uh, inspiration. But yeah, to wrap it, I guess this part up, I think it's a good new avenue for them to explore. And especially as social media and different outlets start to evolve, we're going to need to follow along with the trends and follow where the people are going to get their information. So... Alrighty, guys. So obviously, there was a huge flooding event in Houston, Texas, and in um, eastern and southeastern Texas last week, where they got inundated with a ton of rain. I think how much rain did they uh, have over that area, Castle? They had a lot. Um, also, inundated is the word of the podcast. Um, <laughs> yes, this is my GRE word that I still remember. Let's see. I have the totals right here. So it was it was interesting, like how wide a variety of different rainfalls occurred on uh, April eighteenth, April nineteenth, and April twentieth. There were vast differences between where you were located. But looking at this, it looks like uh, Katy, Texas, might have got the the brunt of the rain with i think that's on the northwestern side of the metro houston area yeah it looks like 14 inches and in over april 18th and april 19th yeah wow which is insane that's over a foot obviously <laughs> to, to put in case it, you didn't know yours <laughs> to make it more more overwhelming that's like a foot and two inches so yeah and then you have houston hobby and houston intercontinental airport um both those airports serve the houston metro area got 10 plus inches of rain um in that two-day span 17th and 18th and then uh houston hobby got a little bit over five inches of rain so you can really tell that with convection which is just a fancy word in the meteorology world pretty much for thunderstorms um thunderstorms can fall in one area and dump a lot of heavy rain in one area and then another area adjacent to it may not get that much rain at all. It just depends on what thunderstorm you're under. And people who live in the south during the summertime, you can definitely understand how those thunderstorms work, where one part of town gets drenched and the other part is still sunny and hot and humid. Similar uh, situation set up for Houston last week, where they got a ton of flooding. There was a video. Do you remember that video where there was yeah. a newscaster, a reporter who was doing a um, stand-up in the field and then... A car just drove through the street, through the flooded roadway. Uh, the car got swept under, and the, the the poor old guy was trying to get out of the car, and he started swimming and panicking. And then the reporter had to go over and wade into the water to pull him out and help him out. But, you know, the phrase that the National Weather Service always uses is, turn around, don't drown. If you ever see any standing water on the highway or on the road, never, never, never try to drive through it because you just never know uh, how quickly the water is moving and really how deep the water is too because that right. wa- that road 
it could be uh, going downward in that area. It could be dip, and the water could be two, three, four feet high. Um, it only takes one foot of water to move a small vehicle, and two feet to you know wash away practically any vehicle. And if the water is moving very quickly, you really don't stand a chance at all. You can get submerged, and if you're stuck in your car, you can't open the door. The water is pushing on your door and your windows. Right. You cannot get out. Um, so it's not that simple. So just don't risk your life and and don't do that. But that's a phrase people use a lot, right, Castle? But I think uh, there was an article about why that message may be all cutesy and, and it rhymes, but why isn't it actually effective? Yeah, and so with the video of the man getting out of his car and swimming, it really spawned this intense discussion about whether the turnaround don't drown message is actually working among the public. So there's a lot of different questions that were being thrown around involving turnaround don't drown is not working, why people are not heeding the warning. And I think at this point, it's probably too early to even discuss whether turnaround don't drown is working or not. We don't have the type of evidence to talk about that. I mean, where do you think people even hear that message from? Are they they only kids that we teach in elementary and middle schools or are broadcasters bringing that phrase up on TV to the adults who watch the weather or what? Right. And that's another thing, like how frequent is this message getting out there and is it being issued? I don't watch a lot of broadcast television, but I would hope and I believe they issue this message when they know there's a flood warning or there's a flash flood warning or there are other types of flooding events happening. But I don't know for certain. You may know more about that than I do. There hasn't been a formal study, I don't think, but in watching, you know, the Weather Channel, they definitely emphasize turnaround, don't drown a lot. And the National Weather Service, we definitely have coined that term to get the word out there to people um, and the local weather forecast offices, too, to implement that uh, phrase to tell people more and more, like, don't drive through um, flooded waters and moving flooded waters, too. So I, I don't know how many broadcasters use it, but um, based on my own um, experience in watching the local news, almost every station and every market that I've watched, I've heard it at least a couple of times during um flooding events so that's definitely a good sign but perhaps we can start using it even more making it something that is widespread everybody knows that term you know it should be something very basic common sense knowledge that everyone should know no i agree and going one step further even if we do keep issuing this turnaround don't drown message we don't know for certain whether that message is actually being received and interpreted by individuals or by members of the public. So I think we need to kind of change this mentality of, oh, we've issued this message, we're done, like we can't do anything else. That's not true. There are other steps that we need to take to make sure that once this message has been issued, people actually receive it, interpret it, and then act upon it. Exactly. We can tell them to do stuff, and we definitely want to follow up and make sure that they're actually heeding the advice and not just, again, not just a cute little phrase we're using, but something that's actually effective. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many different factors that actually go into uh, assessing your threat or your risk when you're driving on the road, whether you're trying to get to your child who's in daycare and you're trying to go pick them up. And at that moment, you're trying to get them and get home to where you know there's a safe place. And so crossing a road with a little bit of water doesn't seem like a big thing when you're trying to get somewhere safe. I think that, among other things, kind of go hand in hand in how someone's risk or threat is assessed. Definitely. And I think you bring up a really good point, too, that, you know, we're, we may be quick to criticize people who drive through flooded roadways. Um, that we may not actually take the time to understand the reasoning behind why they're doing what they're doing and the motivations and 
um, of why they're taking that certain action of risking their lives to drive through a flooded roadway. And, you know, a meteorologist in Houston at the local uh, Fox TV station, he actually called out bosses who were making their employees go into work in the Houston area and drive through that flooded roadways, even though they knew it was dangerous, right? He got a comment Mm -hmm. from a viewer who was saying, yeah, we understand and appreciate everything you're saying to us on TV that, you know, don't drive through a flooded roadway and uh, try to risk your life going to work, stay home. But the the viewer is telling the meteorologist on Facebook that that's not a decision that all employees have complete control over because if their boss is making them go to work, there's that fear that if you don't go into work, you're going to get fired. And yeah. nobody wants to be living um, in a situation where they're concerned that their job security is not there because they don't go to work because of um, flooded roads and flooded highways. The uh, meteorologist actually went on TV and, and had a little rant and he said, you know, if your boss is making you go to work and risking your life, let me know and we will expose them. We will go on TV and we will call them out for putting your life at risk. And, you know, I, I applaud him in a way because I think most of the time, again, meteorologists are in charge of communicating the threat and weather information. You're not really telling people what to do most of the time. Sometimes you are. If you're like, if a tornado is coming, yeah, you tell them get into a basement. But most of the time you're giving them the information so they can make the, the decision themselves. Calling out those bosses who are making their employees go to work and threatening their lives, I think that it's actually a pretty positive thing because then you can work to change the culture of people driving in flooded roadways and really acknowledging how dangerous it really is as opposed to just saying, you know, oh, well, you know, the meteorologist said it's dangerous, but whatever, I'm still making my employees go to work. I think that's a great way to really bring this topic to new levels and really tell people this is not something to joke about. This is serious stuff. And it's definitely not worth uh, risking your life and making a decision between that and losing your job. No, I totally agree. And it goes right back to what we were just talking about, about having priorities. And when someone's priority is their job and their money in order to help their family, then that's going to be number one. They're going to go through whatever it takes to get to work. And so, like you said, I totally applaud him for going against the grain and really trying to help bring this to light and show that even if you need to get to work, that's not something that needs to happen at this moment. Your life is more important. Yeah, definitely. Monetary value and a life is just there is none, no comparison at all between that. And speaking of communicating weather information, I saw some comments that were really interesting on social media about if there's a severe weather event going on in one part of the country, and let's say you're a traveler traveling to that part of the country from somewhere else. So if you're from California and you're flying into, let's say, uh, Wichita, Kansas, or Oklahoma City, and there's a severe weather potential for that day that you're flying in for tornadoes and large hail and damaging winds. If you're from California, you may not be used to seeing that kind of stuff very often. So if you're flying into a location, does an airline have any kind of obligation to kind of let you know what the conditions are that day or to prepare you in any way? Or is that solely your responsibility to understand the threat of severe weather and then plan on your own? Because the people on social media were commenting saying that it would be very helpful to provide information to those people who may not know any better about what to do if there was a tornado. Because if you're from California, you probably don't see tornadoes very often. You land at the Oklahoma City or Tulsa airport, all of a sudden there's a tornado. What do you do? I mean, I would be panicking because I don't, if I were in California, I wouldn't know how to deal with an earthquake. And so I feel like as, you know, good stewards of the uh, skies, <laughs> then I feel like airlines should actually maybe provide information to passengers about what could be going on and what they could do. I don't know how that 
dissemination would go, how the information um, would be uh, given to the passengers. But um, I was curious to see, uh, to see what you thought about that. No, I think this is a very interesting question, and I haven't really thought a lot about it. So it's kind of interesting that it's being brought up. But my immediate thoughts goes to one, the pilots already tell you what the weather is currently like when you land. So I don't think it would be that much more of an effort to be one or two sentences of, hey, there's severe weather expected later today. Make sure you look into it, do more research or take precautions or something like that. Just one little warning to get them thinking about what they would do or to look more about it. So then you don't think that they should provide like a pamphlet or be like, here's what you do during a tornado warning. (laughs) Well, I don't know if we should go that far, but I think something else that could be done is here in Georgia, when there's going to be a winter storm, then Georgia Power sends me an email and says, there's probably going to be a winter storm, which means power outages you need to prepare in this way. And so I'm thinking maybe Delta or whatever airline that you're flying with could send you a quick email that's like a mass thing that they have ready to go. And it's like, hey, it looks like you've flown into Oklahoma there's severe weather expected. And these are five quick things that you can do to get more information and be prepared in the event of a tornado. God, that's such a good idea. And again, we always talk about this phrase, but low hanging fruit. These are things that we can be doing already to help communicate the threat of severe weather. And and maybe it just takes a discussion with somebody in the airline industry to make that happen, because it's not really difficult to do, in my opinion, because if there's severe weather expected, um, in an area, you you just, in my mind, send out, again, like you said, a blast email, a mass email to anybody flying into that area, which I don't think is that difficult. If you're flying into any of these airports, we will alert you via email that there will be severe weather, potentially, you know? Right. Um, I don't think that would be very hard to do. Like you said, it would not be hard at all. You could start making these boilerplate emails right off the bat when there's not severe weather or when there's something that it's not making them very busy so that when these severe weather incidents are ready to go, you put in what area it is and send it off. But then another thing that they could do is a lot of airlines are moving toward applications. So like you can scan your boarding pass using your phone. And so there could be like a notification that sends to the person's phone it's like oh you're flying to oklahoma there's severe weather in your area check this for more information and here's five tips on how you can be prepared so i mean there are lots of different outlets and i think it's a great thing that maybe we should pursue all right so castle i hear that you actually had a salad for the first time. Can you tell me about that? I know <laughs> I know you're not big into oh vegetables very much. Because every time I, I talk to you, you're like, no, I don't eat vegetables. Or when we go to this place in Athens called Calientitos, you always get the Cuban sandwich with like <laughs> no lettuce, no onion. You literally get meat and cheese and bread. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, how do you do that? Because the jalapenos and the onions, like those are the best parts to me for the sandwich. But... You do you, right? (laughs) Yeah, so the story is kind of embarrassing. Um, But yeah, so I don't eat a lot of raw vegetables. I like my vegetables cooked. I'm very picky. So I went over to a friend's house because when she wasn't feeling very well, I brought her some Gatorade and crackers and stuff. And so she wanted to pay me back and was like, thank you for helping me when I was really sick. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, you can't turn that down. So I went over to her house for dinner and I walked in the door and she was like, we're going to have a Southwestern salad. Is that fine? And I was like, 
Yeah, sure, because I didn't want to say, <laughs> oh, I don't eat salads. Wait, so, <laughs> so what What exactly is a Southwestern salad? So it had, uh, I'm not really good at naming vegetables, but it had, <laughs> um, <laughs> it had <laughs> lettuce in it, I think. It had cherry tomatoes, I think that's what they're called. It had uh, grilled chicken, which was really good. I think good. that's what they're called. <laughs> um, oh my god. It People had... who are listening to this think you're crazy right now. How do you not know what a cherry tomato is? <laughs> I think I, I think I do. It's the like the the really round, tiny ones, right? I don't think you should think you know. I think this should not <laughs> even be a question. Like you should definitely know what a cherry tomato is. Okay, well I do. It was a cherry tomato, and so it also okay. had this like these tortilla chips like broken up into it, and it had this really good um, ranch and barbecue sauce mixed together and that was like the dressing so i we just started talking and i was like you know what i'm just gonna watch her take a bite and then i'll take a bite so that i can follow her and know <laughs> what to, to do watch her take well, a I had, bite because you're not to... sure how to eat a salad so you don't want to eat it well, i didn't know if there was like what i'm getting at <laughs> I didn't know if there was like a technique to it or if you're supposed to do or I've watched other people and they get like a bunch of different things at once and then take a bite versus I've know. never thought about the art of eating a salad. So, <laughs> well, when you when you've never done something before, you look to other people to see how to do it. So that's what I did. I know. I know. I'm just I'm hardcore judging you because I can't believe you've never <laughs> eaten a salad before. I know you don't like vegetables, but damn, like. <laughs> no but it was really good and i ate the whole thing so ta-da i tried something oh, new man. but it was really embarrassing i'm glad that you finally ate something healthy for once in your life thanks <laughs> i just feel really bad because i didn't tell her that i didn't like it and so i feel like i man, that's to not her. bad i thought you're gonna tell me something like you lied to her like straight up about something about salad like oh yeah i love salad it's my favorite ever and then no. to tell her tell her now or have her hear this and be like oh he's never had a salad in his life no but i think i'm gonna tell her so in case she do- hears it on the podcast <laughs> i would rather her hear it from me instead of the podcast so wait so now having had the southwestern salad yeah what are your thoughts about eating salad again in the future i would eat it if it was made for me but i wouldn't make it for myself i don't think so what if i bought you a salad yeah i would eat it so if what if I bought you like an iceberg lettuce salad with like nothing on it? Uh, you mean just iceberg lettuce? <laughs> I wouldn't eat it. That's like rabbit food, right? <laughs> um, humans can eat it too. Um, well, I know that, but, you, but I don't know. It's but it was not, the effort. It's, it was a thought and effort. You know what? It was, and that's I'm why I'm gonna buy you some iceberg lettuce, and I'm gonna ship it to you, and you <laughs> will eat it because it is a gift. You better appreciate your friend's gifts. I'm just saying. I guess we should talk about our song of the week now, since it's kind yeah, of close to it. the end of the podcast. Um, so this week, my song of the week is Work From Home by Fifth Harmony. <laughs> um, that has a very special meaning to both of us. When we were making the podcast or coming up with the final details, that's the song that we listened to a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, that's my song of the week. Um it's kind of an Can we old... just talk about real quickly the A the lyrics of the song and B like the music video because yes. <laughs> if you haven't heard the song before, please take a quick moment to listen to it. Work from home by Fifth Harmony, featuring what Ty Dollar Sign Money or yeah. something like that. What's his name? <laughs> Ty Dollar Sign. It's ridiculous. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, my friend, my friend posted a Facebook status about it. Anthony, it, it made me laugh so hard. But he he's a freelancer and he does a lot of work um, off on the side. And he was saying he made a um, a funny Facebook status saying, "Oh, they finally made a song about freelancing, doing it, <laughs> doing work from home." And I laughed so hard. I thought that was perfect. But the lyrics are just terrible. Wait, I'm gonna actually Google the lyrics real quick because they're just that bad. But I also enjoyed it because as a graduate student, I work from home a lot, and so <laughs> get out of here. It get also, out. Of- it also. Get <laughs> I also really identified with this song. As a graduate student, I work from home As very do, often, and this song home. just it spoke to me. These eighteen-year-old <laughs> girls just really resonated with what I do in graduate school. Get out of here! <laughs> There's so many work puns in, in uh, the lyrics, though. It's like, yeah. let's put it into motion. I'm gonna give you a promotion. <laughs> I'll make it feel like a vacay. Turn the bed into an ocean. We don't need nobody. I just need your body. Nothing but sheets in between us. Ain't no getting off early. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! You are not leaving work early. You are putting in overtime. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then there's another part. I know you're always on the night shift, but I can't stand these nights alone. And I don't need no explanation because, baby, you're the boss at home. They should also do, they should do a mashup mashup. between this and Rihanna's work. But actually, when I was watching that critique video, which we will talk about in a second, I found out that the director of Work From Home also did Rihanna's work. So. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. There's some potential mashup ability there. So yeah, um, we should also talk about this critique video that you sent me regarding the music video for Work From Home. Oh my gosh. And What's the YouTube account that made the critique video? Do you know? It is Music Video Sins is okay. the name of the uh, account. And so it literally goes through and voiceovers all the mistakes or sins, quote sins, that were made throughout the video. And so I have a favorite and Min has a favorite. So my favorite <laughs> part is at the very beginning, you see this construction worker that's like obviously very muscular and (laughs) he struggles to lift a concrete bag onto his shoulder a not so heavy bag onto his shoulder (laughs) they're trying to create the illusion obviously of hey it worked because i didn't flexing and sweating yeah i I didn't didn't notice it until yeah me either i didn't notice it um until they pointed it out I think my favorite part <laughs> is, uh, I forgot what lyric it was, but she's, you know, obviously one of the girls is singing and then she's like, you know, giving this guy the googly eyes and, um, and then she like, she's seductively leaning over the table, giving this guy the googly eyes. <laughs> she right? has the hammer in her hand. <laughs> she has the hammer in her hand and then she like has a tape measure that she like shoots out and then and like looking at him like as the tape measure is like showing like two feet and like looking at him like mm-hmm, boy i got you and i'm like dude a two feet that's not anatomically even possible and b like stop this is gross you don't need to be doing this and also the fact that every construction worker is like in their 30s or 40s and all these girls are in their teens and early 20s not that i condone like or you know the whole age thing is okay i don't care but it's just weird. Like, they're all being seductive on, like, a bulldozer. Like, how sexy could you possibly be dancing on a bulldozer? <laughs> I'm just I saying. I mean, they do a pretty good job. <laughs> and they're all on the stairs, like, these unbuilt stairs. And they're all standing there in a line, like, doing these weird, like, skirt flips. And, like, it's so awkward to watch. 
And the fact that they tried to recreate this whole thing on Jimmy Kimmel Live just kills me. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to post that link, too. It was even better. Even Oh, my better. gosh. So what about you? What's your song of the week? Uh, So I haven't really found a new song this week yet. This one I discovered about three weeks ago. It's by Galantis, and mm-hmm. it's called No Money. And I think you've heard it before, right? I think I sent it to you, actually. Yeah. Okay, so these are the same people that do the whole like peanut butter jelly song with the cats and all that other stuff. And then they also do the song um, You and I, I think. Oh, it's called Runaway, You and I. Um, But yeah, so that's my song of the week. And, you know, you should listen to it for sure. For sure. Uh, Is that pretty much all we have to talk about? I think so. Unless you have something else you want to bring up. No, I just want to thank everybody. And I think after this episode is edited, we're going to try to submit to iTunes. So hopefully when you hear this, we will be on iTunes and that's where you'll be hearing it from. And you will be anticipating the next episode because you will have binge listened to all four episodes. You have no choice. You must, if you listen to episode one, you will listen to them all and then go back to listen to episode zero and then you'll be happy. Okay. I guess that wraps up this podcast. You can find us at a lot of places. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash weather hype. You can also find us on Twitter at weather hype. You can also email us at weatherhype at gmail.com or you can find us on our website at weatherhypepodcast.com. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that you will listen in to the next one. So until next time, stay hyped for Weather Hype. Stay hyped! By the way, not too hot, not too cold, and all you need is a light jacket. I had to throw that quote in there from one of my favorite movies, Miss Congeniality.